Welcome to the exam room. I'm your host, Brian Vardabedian from 33 Charts. In this episode, I caught up with retail health consultant James Gartner to discuss some of the recent moves by Walgreens and Walmart to move into the retail space. This is an amazing conversation with a guy who can put this fast-moving area into some serious context, so I hope you enjoy it. James Gardner, welcome to the exam room. Hi, Brian. It's exciting to be here. So tell us what you do. Uh, what, how, how did you land here talking to me? What do you do? Well, I call myself a healthcare marketing strategist, Brian. Uh, I guess you could say I, I live and work at the intersection of care providers like yourself. Mm-hmm. That could be doctors, could be physician groups, could be health clinics, could even be large health systems. But I'm working with them uh, to find and attract the patients that they want to serve and care for. Um, and that's the essence of being a healthcare marketing strategist. And you have a special interest, I guess, in retail health. Is that right? I absolutely do. Yeah, it's hard not to, um, just given the the buzz of excitement, but also just the potential for disruption. And that's obviously what we're going to talk about today, uh, specifically in the world of primary care delivery. Yeah. And, you know, we've all, I think, read repeated iterations of the same news about retail health, but I think few people really understand what it really means. And so I want to get into that a little bit with you because I think you have some real expertise. I'll, I'll tell you how I met James for the listeners. I uh, wrote this post on 33charts.com on July 9th, 2020 uh, about the Walgreens Village MD relationship and uh, got a message from James and uh, we'll get into it in just a second, but he sort of corrected me on some inaccuracies I had, which was great, which is one of the great things about LinkedIn and the internet is we can connect with each other. But uh, for the listeners, that post on July 9th talked about this fact that uh, Walgreens had announced that they will attach primary care clinics to hundreds of the retail stores. And in a partnership with clinic provider Village MD, they're going to invest a billion in equity over the next three years. And in it, I break down my view of the deal, how it represents a new wave of retail health, where we are seeing the integration of primary care into retail spaces as opposed to just walk-in clinics. And so I see this from the perspective of an MD and James, we got on the phone and we get we talked for a bunch and it was, it was it was clear that he has some real insight. And so to your point, the way you corrected me, is the deal with Village MD and Walgreens new or is it really not new? It was new. Um, but at the same time, and I, I don't want to understate the significance of it because it was large and um, it definitely has some significance. But for those of us following the space, I think many would describe it as predictable and far from disruptive. Uh, given what others in the space have been doing and are planning to do, and I can elaborate. Yeah, so it's what's what's what was big about or what was different about it? You think? Well, I think the sheer size. You know, anytime you uh, throw the word billion around, that's going to catch people's attention. Yeah, and the scale. Uh, they're talking five hundred to seven hundred storefronts, which certainly, uh, if it materializes, will give them a large footprint. But the larger context is that in the world of retail health, I think most would say that Walgreens is playing from a position of weakness and is probably playing catch up with efforts underway at some of the leaders who I might describe as CVS, Amazon, Walmart. We can talk about their efforts, but this was in many ways a reactive effort and a reaction to a business model, frankly, that's struggling, right? That's no secret that the pharmacy business is not a great one right now. Their product lines and service offerings are being cannibalized, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's pharmacy or some of the, the the staple items that you typically would have gone to a Walgreens for. 
There's just so many other alternatives. So foot traffic tends to be off uh, across most of those formats, and Walgreens not been immune to that. Pharmacy space has been crunched, right, with uh, Amazon and PillPack and very competitive market, right? Absolutely. And you look up and down the you know packaged goods aisle. Many of us are now getting our shampoos and toothpaste and whatnot um, from Amazon. Right. So there's no need to physically step into a retail store. So I'm sure I'm sure that's hurt them. So when I looked at this, you know, the thing that struck me, and I think you sort of realized this too, was the idea of actually embedding a a primary care practice into a retail pharmacy space. Because I think up until this point, and you'll correct me in just a moment, but uh, these uh, clinics in pharmacies were urgent care, were walk-in clinics effectively, uh, which is very different than a primary care practice, right? Correct. Yeah. Most of what we're all familiar with um, is best exemplified by CVS's efforts, and they're really ahead of the curve on a lot of fronts and have uh, positioned themselves very well. Great collection of assets. And some of those stronger assets include uh, what they describe as their minute clinics. Mm-hmm. Brian, I, I think you would use the term um, episodic care, yep. where you would go for a flu vaccination. Sore throat, maybe? Or sore throat. Yep. And you're typically being treated by a nurse practitioner, a nurse's assistant, and almost universally, you would not find um, a true physician uh, on site. Yeah. So it's a, a very unique offering, and certainly they've had success with it. Um, and they've scaled it uh, quite aggressively across their their footprint, but it's by no means uh, providing primary care, which I think is the subject of this conversation. Right, and so I guess with the relationship, and it's not an acquisition. I'll add, it was a relationship with Village MD. They're putting actual practices with physicians and nurse practitioners uh, into the Walgreens stores, right? That's correct. Yeah, we, we can just reiterate some of the details that have been shared. Um, you're right. The The number that was thrown around was a billion dollars, part equity and um, part convertible debt. Uh, it's a primary care offering and uh, builds on a relationship that, as I understand it, has existed for a period of time. Uh, not so much with clinics inside Walgreens stores, but more typically adjacent mm-hmm. in strip malls and whatnot. So there's history between the two organizations. The step forward here, obviously, is the physical integration into the Walgreens footprint, Yeah, uh, which in most cases, uh, I've been told, will amount to about 3,000 square feet, which is quite sizable in the context of a Walgreens store. It certainly is much smaller than what Walmart's doing, for instance, in Northwest Georgia, um, but nonetheless will allow them to have a fairly robust primary care offering with physicians actually on site, along with extended hours and parking and some of the conveniences that come with the storefronts. So I think of this as something like a, a medical home within uh, within a pharmacy space. I really like that term, Brian. And uh, I was so glad that you had the foresight to kind of bring that to the world because that's exactly what their vision is, is that this will become, at least as far as your primary care needs go, a destination to care for yourself in sickness and in health, ideally over a period of time which is the key differentiator versus CVS's offering, which is episodic. This will ideally um, be longitudinal. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, let me tell you the, 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 the challenge I have with uh, retail clinics, uh, which maybe this wouldn't be the case with, uh, with Walgreens or with Walmart, which we'll talk about in just a moment. You know, I'm a, I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist. I have a patient who had uh, some kind of issue at a strip, had a throat, uh, infection, sore throat, went to a CVS, 
saw a nurse practitioner, had a rapid strep test, got some antibiotics, and then lands in my office with diarrhea three days later. Mm. I don't know. I really don't know what happened during this visit. You know what I'm saying? And I think uh, I'm not sure that the Walgreens Village MD solution is going to fix that. But uh, this is the, the trick with when patients kind of go outside of our system to try to find or access care, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't see that problem going away, to be honest, even with some of the more comprehensive offerings, which we'll we'll talk about uh, shortly. They, without exception, don't have specialty offerings. Yeah. So they're always going to be referring out to pediatricians, dermatologists, oncologists um, for anything beyond, you know, straightforward primary care. And in the world that we live in, um, your patient information doesn't travel well. So, and I think that's the crux of your concern. Yeah. So I, th- I think if they, if Walgreens uh, could, you know, slay the limits of the legacy EHR. <laughs> I think that could probably, you know, if we had just more interoperability between the HRs, that might solve the issue, but we're not going to solve that today. Right? Yes. And Brian, all, all this is part of kind of a ongoing set of trends within the primary care world. And pardon me if this is second nature to you, but we all know that um, if we're of a certain age, we grew up in a world where we had a primary care physician often for decades, mm-hmm. right? That was just the norm. Um, that's really going away. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the mobility of the U.S. population or just a generational phenomena, but amongst millennials and um, and younger folks, it's increasingly unlikely that they would have um, a dedicated primary care physician. Right, they're much more apt to take advantage of walk-in clinics, urgent care centers, um, telehealth. And so oftentimes they're not carrying a profile with them. They're not carrying a history with them, which I'm sure makes life extremely challenging for for you. Yeah, and beyond not having a primary care physicians or, or, or a medical home, as I've suggested, yes. uh, we're seeing a change in the context of care. You know, traditionally in our world, you and I, in our world of, or of our age, we got care at a hospital or a medical office. And what we see happening here with Walgreens or even Walmart is that the places and spaces where we get healthcare is being completely revolutionized, right? I would agree. Yeah. I, th- Think and we'll, we'll we'll get into my vision of the, the future of primary care delivery, but I think it's likely that where we get care is going to change dramatically. It, it already is, but we'll also see the phenomenon of when asked who's your doctor, it won't be Doctor Gardner, it will be Walmart's my doctor, mm-hmm. and I've had my family treated there, and I've been treated there for years, um, both for primary care issues, but also some urgent care issues. Right. Oh, and by the way, they take care of my teeth. Uh, I've had some mental health counseling there. I've had my hearing checked. Uh, I've had vision care. Like That's an interesting phenomena and is highly disruptive, much more so than the Walgreens um, relationship with Village MD. It's hard to imagine, honestly. So tell us how Walmart... So I, you know, I suggested that maybe this is the first time we've seen really a primary care practice. And you sort of educated me that Walmart is already into this space. Is that right? They are. And uh, I'm sorry I corrected you. Um, it was obviously it, no. That's great. That's what I love about this. I, I, I and you you sort of confess that really the messaging isn't isn't out there in a real hard way from Walmart just yet. I guess you're absolutely right. Uh, they're flying below the radar screen for a lot of people. So the fact that you weren't aware of them is completely understandable. Here's what uh, here's what is happening. Uh, there's a pilot underway, and Walmart consistently describes it as such. Um, 
involving primary care clinics uh, being attached to the front of their super centers, which if you're a Walmart aficionado is, you know, the combination grocery and consumer goods stores mm-hmm. that um, are dotted across the country, 3,600 of them, uh, which is a shocking number. They themselves were a huge disruptor in the world of grocery retailing. But by attaching a health clinic physically to the front of those stores, they're obviously uh, looking to drive a convenience store, but also a really all-encompassing care offering. And what we're seeing in Northwest Georgia, where they have three storefronts operating, and in Bentonville, Arkansas, where they have one additional storefront operating, is we're seeing an offering that has both primary care with full-on physicians on staff. We're seeing on-site dentistry, as well as vision care, pharmacy, audiology, and interestingly, uh, mental health. Wow. So it's an all-encompassing, well, maybe not all-encompassing, but it certainly is a broad offering and goes well beyond what we've seen with CVS's Minute Clinics, clearly, but also well beyond even what Village MD is envisioning. So if you were to contrast this, uh, what Walmart's doing with what you understand about Walgreens, are there major differences? Well, most noticeably, uh, you would note the size of what we're talking about. The Village MD operations are typically 3,000 square feet. The typical Walmart health clinic that we're seeing is closer to 10,000. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, so it's an order of magnitude larger, <laughs> um, which is obviously explained by just the breadth of service lines that they're offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the value proposition that they're going to market with, I think, is a little more interesting. They would describe it as a, a three-pronged kind of value proposition. Obviously, one is just low pricing, and we can get into kind of the economics, but the pricing, I think, will, will shock many people. <laughs> yeah, tell us. Tell us about. Tell us that. Well, just as an example, mental health counseling is thirty dollars for thirty minutes. Wow, um, it's shocking. Yeah, yeah. You you can have your teeth looked at for twenty five dollars. Um, so it's going to be disruptive to those who are uninsured, of which there's many, many millions of Americans, but also the underinsured, right? Who have high copayment plans or high deductible plans, and de facto don't see a doctor unless they're having you know, a health crisis. Mm-hmm. So they're opening up access through pricing on a pretty interesting scale. So pricing is, is one leg of this uh, stool. Hey, can I jump in and just say that this, this issue of the, un, the underinsured insured population is huge. We talked about this on our pre-call last week, but this is large population of people who carry high deductible insurance. And so when it comes to things basic things, it can represent a substantial outlay for some of these some of these folks, right? Yes. So the way a high deductible plan would work is you're responsible personally for, say, the first thousand or $5,000 of care. Right. And then the insurance kicks in after that. So clearly there's a disincentive to see a doctor for a regular checkup, as an example. So they go without care in so many cases. I'll just go to Walmart instead, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. So there's a large audience that will be drawn to this low pricing model, which beyond being low, it's also highly transparent. They post their prices in the clinics themselves and on the website. So as they say, you you will pay what you see, which in a world of non-transparent pricing is disruptive in and of itself. Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) So 
Yeah, seriously, it's uh, that is uh, like the the menu, like a like a, a true menu of what you're going to get for paying for what you get. Absolutely. So, part two of the story is high quality care, and they make no bones about it. They, there are doctors on site, and they're recruiting board certified physicians. And I don't think anyone pretends that it's going to be the Mayo Clinic, but there will not be a compromise of care. The facility itself is modern. The staff is well trained. I'm told, and there's not an obvious trade-off. Others may beg to differ, but there's not an obvious trade-off that I can see for low prices leading to you know, sub-quality care. Mm-hmm. They would argue. I, mean, I have no evidence uh, to the contrary. So that's part two of the of the value. Um, and then the third is just Walmart levels of convenience. And you can go down the list. You know, for a busy family, you can imagine just the draw of get your groceries, get your pharmacy, shop at the Walmart. Uh, while your son or daughter is being cared for. By the way, there's free and abundant parking out front. <laughs> yeah. They've got extended hours into the evening and into the weekend, which is also very, very appealing for working families. And then they've got walking scheduling. And un- unlike the average clinic, you get someone who says hello to you when you come in. <laughs> exactly. Yes, they do have a greeter uh, who helps orient you to the facility. Um but they've also uh, made scheduling easy, which is also just a, a typical pain point uh, with a lot of groups. You can both walk in and see um, someone who can provide care, or they do online scheduling with next day availability. So, James, Rook, the thing that strikes me about this is if you look at the uh, the menu, and, and you, you wrote a great article on LinkedIn, and maybe at the end you can tell people how to find that, but you've got a picture of the menu on this post, and if you look at these Price points for various services—they're very—they're—they're they're frighteningly low. What's the end game for Walmart here? Is this a loss leader for to get people into the store to buy toothpaste, or do you think this is really a play to get into into healthcare where they potentially see a margin? I think they absolutely see it as a viable business mm-hmm. at the scale some people are imagining. Operating as a loss leader would be potentially prohibitively expensive, even for Walmart, Right. if they scaled this and it was losing money um, across 3,600 storefronts. There's some that say this is a way of expanding, never mind the share of wallet that Walmart enjoys uh, with the U.S. population, but potentially increasing the size of the wallet by freeing up spending that would otherwise be diverted to health needs. So ponder that. If you want people to spend more money uh, across your stores, you can compete against Target and you can compete against other people doing what you're doing. But how about actually putting more money into the wallets of your consumers yeah. by saving the money on their healthcare investments? Right. Isn't that interesting? So help me with this. So let me just step back and say we're in this age of sort of medical imperialism and uh, we're seeing this consolidation of systems. And l- let's take this scenario, say, in Austin, Texas, where – 25 years from now, Baylor Scott and White acquires all the prim- a bunch of uh, primary care practices, and we've got a bunch of Walmart practices and Walgreens practices. What's the relationship going to be like between this network of primary care practices and hospitals? I wonder where you got to wonder where Walmart will refer to for cardiac care. You know what I'm saying? I think about this all the time, Brian. Absolutely. And there's different schools of thought, and I don't think we completely know, just given that it's still a modestly sized pilot. There is a scenario, um, obviously, where there's both competition and collaboration occurring, because as you've described it, um, 
Baylor Scott and White's primary care groups would be right in the brunt of Walmart's efforts. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, your specialists like yourself would obviously be on the referring end or the receiving end rather of patients that can't be treated at a clinic because they need, you know, a hip replacement or they need uh, oncology services. Right. Walmart doesn't pretend to offer those. So there's going to be referrals being steered towards health systems and specialists. So that's the competition and collaboration that I can potentially envision. There's another more nefarious uh, scenario where Walmart really doubles down on saving their customers' money and refers out to specialists, not based on a quid pro quo relationship, but more on just who is the lowest cost provider in our community mm. for a hip replacement setting. Wow. And that will obviously reward uh, health systems that have that low cost offering and are com price competitive, but it will punish uh, those who aren't. And as you know, there's wide, wide, wide discrepancies in pricing across uh, markets for the same service. So the opportunity to drive down costs across the system potentially exists, some have speculated. So why would Walmart be incented to send their primary care patients to the hospital that has uh, maybe the highest quality and lowest price point? Why would they care? Well, the argument would be that's ultimately putting money back into their customers' pockets, mm. which, if we follow the argument, uh, will lead to more spend in Walmart stores Wow! at a macro scale. It sounds unbelievable. I, I, I agree. But at the scale that Walmart operates, yeah, they think of along these lines. Right. They I mean, really they're do. probably plausible, honestly. Uh, let me go fast forward here, 30 years. Can you imagine a point where Walmart would ever build a hospital? I've thought about that. And- I don't see it happening. Now, rewind years ago, and I don't think we would have imagined Walmart building health clinics. So never say never, right? Um, mm -hmm. But as you and I know, running a hospital, first of all, is an incredibly tough business. Right. Done right and done profitably. It's incredibly hard. Uh, it's also very, very capital intensive. And we can see with you know the publicly traded hospital systems that are out there, it hasn't really shown itself to be an incredible business to date. So I don't know that they'd be drawn to physically operating a traditional hospital. Tough. It's a tough business. It's very tough. Yes. Yes. Primary care in and of itself is going to be very challenging. And we can get into some of the headwinds uh, that even Walmart Health is going to face because it's, it's certainly not a slam dunk. Uh, they've got the four pilots underway uh, in Northwest Georgia and Arkansas. They've announced plans for an additional set in Georgia, as well as plans for two storefronts in Chicagoland, which will get them close to 10 locations, which is still a drop in the bucket, given the overall reach of their supercenter network. And they're going to have some issues scaling, which they'll have to resolve with the pilots they've got underway. Let's talk about these challenges of retail health or the headwinds, as you like to refer to them. What, what, are, what are those? Can you outline some of those? In my mind, the most obvious uh, challenge is getting the business model right. They built nice facilities, and you've, you've certainly seen uh, photos of, of what the clinics look like. We know that they're positioned in front of you know high traffic locations. So I have no doubt or little doubt that patients will be drawn to seek care in these locations. But doing it profitably, I think, will be the largest headwind that Walmart faces. They built a large facility, 10,000 square feet. They've staffed it extensively with 
presumably well-paid professionals. Mm-hmm. And they're making a bet that they'll be able to utilize the audiologist, the optometrist, the primary care physicians at a level that will make it profitable and justify the investment they've made in the facility and all the furnishings and fixtures. That's not easy to do, Brian. No, I know. I I, I ran my own clinic for 10 years. Tough business. Okay. Yes. I guess it's volume, uh, vol- controlling overhead, pushing volume, right? Well, that's part of it. Yes. Obviously, they're, contracts, contracts, yeah. they're going to squeeze down the cost of the furnishings and the fixtures and the construction. But the truth of the matter is the largest cost that doesn't go away and can't be shrunk is staffing. Uh, there are no bargains for Walmart uh, when they're hiring primary care physicians. You know, there's a very competitive market and those physicians aren't inexpensive. Uh, likewise, some of the other professionals that they're looking to have on staff. I can just share the math quickly. If you, if you think of the mental health counseling that they're offering, it's essentially a dollar a minute. So if you imagine uh, a mental health professional 50 weeks a year, 40 hours a week, you do the math, they've got approximately $120,000 of billable capacity. Mm-hmm. If they were used 100% and charging that dollar a minute across their entire workday, that strikes me as being a challenge. <laughs> never mind the overhead and never mind right. benefits and whatnot. I can't imagine that you're getting a mental health professional that will work for, for that. So uh, there's some chin scratching going on that uh, Walmart's going to have to resolve across a lot of these utilization and business model questions. I, I still think they're going to have to take a loss on some of these uh, domains, right? Uh, I'm just like you said, doing the math here. but There is history for that, Brian. If you recall the disruption that they unleashed into the pharmacy world 10 plus years ago with the $4 um, filling fee, uh, which to this day is, is still astounding. It's, it's a value beyond a value. And you're right. They saw that as a means of drawing foot traffic into their stores and creating loyalty with the um, periodic refills. So that may also be part of their their vision. So James, we're looking at your crystal ball. Where are we headed with this? Walk us through what primary care could look like in the future, given what we've been talking about. So I'm going to go out on a limb and make the argument that I think retail healthcare is, is here to stay. I think the future is going to look very, very different in terms of where we seek primary care. I think the notion of doctors as, as founders of clinics and as entrepreneurs is probably going away, almost certainly is going away. More typically, mm-hmm. they will be employees of either large health systems that can uh, justify keeping them on staff and knowing that the referrals that they can generate will, will make the economics work, or they'll be working in um, non-traditional channels, whether that's telemedicine or some of these retail storefronts uh, that we're discussing. I can imagine all of those coexisting in various ways and shapes. Um, no, no doubt. And I think I, I, I really see the rise of the advanced practitioner as being critical and it's going to be critical to the success of Walmart and Walgreens efforts as well, because we know that a lot of what docs used to do can be done by advanced practitioners because technology has replaced a lot of what we used to do with our eyes and our ears and our hands. And as it'd be interesting to think how the rise of point of care technology is going to change the experience in places like Walmart, pocket ultrasounds, other technologies like this are going to make what's accessible in a retail clinic and those pictures that you sent to me possible. Absolutely. 
And I think, or I would hope that physicians find that um, vision an exciting one to be able to practice at the top of their license and not be bogged down with tasks that are better performed by other professionals, be they nurse practitioners or pharmacists or some of the other staff that um, a typical clinic would, would be making available. So the short-sighted physician tends to be very threatened by that proposition. The long-sighted, the long-sighted physician tends to be thrilled by it because it really represents a new, uh, a redefinition of the physician. If you think about a, a large Walmart clinic and a family practice doctor, how their role may be different working with advanced practitioners or overseeing a broader process with what they understand about medicine. And so it is exciting to think about the future in, in this area. Yes. And I think you, you made that point well in your article that um, this is a trend that I don't think we're going to be able to turn back, nor should we want to. Right. So James, how can people uh, how can people find you? Where do you live on the web? Are you based on LinkedIn, website? What do you do? The best way to find me, Brian, um, is a combination of Twitter. And you can find me on my handle, James A. Gardner. That's James A. G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And I'm very prolific uh, there, as well as under the hashtag Walmart Health. So you can follow breaking news and things that I'm discovering along my journey. And you can also find me on LinkedIn by searching for James A. Gardner. Your amazing article on Walmart and uh, laying out the future trajectory of healthcare there was really superb. I'd suggest that everybody go and read that. Can they just find that link to your uh, LinkedIn account? Yes, you can find it on LinkedIn. It's also pinned uh, to my Twitter handle right now to make it uh, super accessible for folks. And I really would encourage uh, members of your audience, if they are interested in learning more about Walmart Health, if they're interested in this notion of both collaborating and competing with Walmart Health and some of the other topics we brought up, please reach out to me because I think about this a lot. And I think more than many, I'm well positioned to help people navigate those challenges. Wow, that's that's fantastic, James. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, you have the ability to put the fast-moving retail healthcare space into some serious context. I, I talk to people like you because you make me smarter, and I think you're making uh, listeners to the exam room much smarter as well. Oh, thank you for the kind words, Brian. It's been delightful to join you and spend time with uh, you and your audience today. Maybe we can visit again as this trajectory goes and we can do an update. I'd love to do that. Take care. Be well. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out more stuff like this on 33charts.com and follow and like us on 33charts on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for joining us in the exam room. If you like what you heard here, please rate the program, review us, or let folks know about us. And if you have any really cool ideas that you'd like discussed here, please feel free to let us know. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.